today I'm going to wrap up our series on becoming the community that God has called us to be. So we've spent uh, the beginning of this year kind of thinking a lot about community uh, and letting God's Word instruct us on the type of community that He wants to build here. So it's been a study mostly in the one another text of the New Testament. We've kind of each week taken a different one of the one another commands given to the church uh, and examined how we are to interact with one another, uh, how we are to treat each other in this community that the Lord has built here. And so today we're going to be looking at a text that actually has several one another commands in it, uh, but in a broader look at this, which I want us to do, it's also going to help us, kind of give us some instruction on God's plan for how to pursue this community, what it's supposed to look like as we live out these one another commands. And so, turn with me to Colossians 3 if you have your Bibles. The sermon is titled, God's Plan for Community. Colossians 3, I'm going to be reading verse 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank you for for the truth of your word, and we do confess it as true, and we ask for your help, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, work in us individually and as a church uh, to be receptive to these truths, uh, to understand them, to believe them, and to have a heart that desires to live these truths out, to become the people that you desire us to be and that it would be for your glory, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So three different uh, things that we'll see from this text on God's plan uh, for community. The first, as we're going to get into these instructions on uh, how we are to interact with one another, treat one another, is God's plan is for us to remember our identity, that may be an interesting thing as we're, as we're about to hear some instruction. Before we get to that instruction, we're reminded of who we are. So God's plan is for us to remember our identity. 
the very beginning of Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. And we're going to stop there in the verse. We're going to get back to the rest of the verse here in a little bit. But it's important that we recognize that as Paul gets ready to give us instruction on how we are supposed to be as a church, how we are supposed to be as a body of believers, before he gives any of those instructions, he reminds them, this is who you are. He reminds them of their identity as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. I was reading an article from the Nine Marks website. It actually is not in relation to uh, this text. It was looking ahead to our next sermon series that I'll be starting next week. But what the author, his name is Clint Darst, what the author said is applicable here. Uh, he talked about how he used the language that our activity, the things that we do as believers, our activity follows our identity. What we are called to, the Christian life, the life we're called to live, is following who God has made us to be. It's the identity that we have as followers of Jesus. And I like that language. Activity follows our identity. And so Paul starts here with our identity. God chose you. So I'm about to tell you how to live. Remember this, God chose you, and he's speaking to a body of believers. God set you apart. He has made you holy. You are dearly loved by God. Dearly loved by God the Father. And so, remember who you are. And then you're going to live accordingly. Live out the identity that I have made you to be. And so because of our identity, then we will pursue the kind of community, the kind of life, the kind of interactions with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because this is who God made us to be. Peter uses that same language and that same order. Our identity... And then, this is how you live because what God has made you to be. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then Peter then goes into instructions on how to live. But before you get to the activity of what it is you're supposed to be doing, here and in Colossians and in many other places, God's Word starts with, this is who you are. This is who God has made you to be. So our identity is vital. We must 
remember that. And we must not get those mixed up. Lots of people live out their faith and lots of lots of false teachings out there will instruct people that the way you live out your faith is you do a lot of good things. And as long as you do enough good things, then you will have God's blessing. Then you will have God's love. That's not biblical. Scripture says this is who you are. You are dearly loved by God. God chose you. God set you apart. And because that is who, because that's true and because this is who you are, now live out of that identity. And so church, we are, listen and, and believe this today. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And praise God for that. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have been chosen by Him. We have been set apart by Him. We are dearly loved by the Creator of all things. That is who we are. And so let's remember our identity. Let's rest in our identity. What if we spent the next seven days... And then the next seven days, and the next seven days. What if we spent our days resting in who we are? Not trying to earn something from the Lord, but knowing I am a dearly loved child of God. Let's remember our identity. And the community that he is forming here starts with that. Paul's writing to the church. Not just individually. Individually, we all need to remember that. As a church, we need to remember that. This is who we are. God's dearly loved children who've been set apart. And since that's true, now we can get to how do we live in light of who God has made us to be. And that takes us to the second point. This is how we pursue this. First, we remember our identity. Second, God's plan is for us to pursue Godly living. Pursue godly living. So we're going to look at uh, Colossians three, twelve through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another... Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also, so you are also to forgive. Sorry. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And then verse 14, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So several things here in this, uh, several pieces of instruction And all of them, remember, come out of because this is who God has made you to be, because this is your identity, then this is what you're supposed to live out. This is how you live out your Christian faith with one another, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 12, you put on the following things. 
We looked at that when I think it was from the text on forgiveness about things we're supposed to put on and the things that we're supposed to put off or be removed from us. Here's some more instruction of what we're supposed to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the way our Savior was towards each one of us. Jesus was compassionate and kind and gentle and humble and patient with us all. If we are going to be a spiritually healthy community, if we're going to be a thriving body of believers, it's going to require that we put these on towards one another. And we are compassionate towards every single one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That we are kind to everyone. That we are humble and gentle and patient. And that's hard sometimes, right? Because we're all sinners. And we all have, not only are we sinners, but we also have different preferences and different things that we like and and different ideas about how we should do things. And when people rub up against that, it's hard to put on compassion towards them. It's hard to be kind and gentle and patient. But that's how our Lord has been towards each one of us. And that's why God has placed His Spirit in us is to shape us more and more into the image of His Son, Jesus. And so... We actively, with the help of God, put these things on in our lives as we interact with one another. That's how Jesus was with us. See, when uh, we're impatient and our culture is impatient, we're unforgiving. Our culture is unforgiving. We look at others and think, are you kidding me? Again. Are you serious? But that's not the way our Lord is with us. He is so patient and so loving and so kind and so forgiving. And God's Word says, because of who you are, because you are a chosen child of God, because you are holy and set apart for His purposes, because He has forgiven you, then this is how you live. Live the same way. Live a godly life. Follow in the steps of your Savior. And that's how the Lord is going to build a beautiful community here. As we pursue godly living, pursue living out the same kind of treatment that the Lord treated us as we treat one another that same way. So verse 13, bearing with each other. We don't abandon one another. We don't abandon one another in our sins. We don't abandon one another when we get frustrated. We press in. That doesn't mean there's not accountability. That doesn't mean that there aren't boundaries at times when necessary. But we should never abandon one another. We bear with one another. Where they are weak. And verse 14, put on love. It says, above it all, put on love. 
love each other. That's what will unite you together. That's the perfect bond. That's the strongest glue. Rick talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago about how we become a sticky church to where people come in and stick here. You do that through love. Regardless of what is going on, you love one another. And if we will love one another, it will bond us together. So all of these things fall under godly living. It's a call to live holy lives, godly lives as we interact with each other as church members. The passage has already reminded us that you are holy. This is who you are. And now, here's some instructions on how you live as a holy son and daughter of God, especially with how you treat each other. And it's Peter again, in chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as you, I'm sorry, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So don't live like you used to before you were set apart by God. Instead, live holy lives. Follow God. Follow His example as we live out our faith together. Sir Grace often uses a statement concerning me and my youngest son, Isaac. Isaac is my mini-me in lots of ways. Uh, Some of them very cute, some of them maybe concerning. Uh, Sarah Grace has a statement, and that statement is, she looks at the two of us and says, copy, paste. Copy, paste. She posted a while back during the, oh man, I hate to even say it because it brings back such horrible memories, Uh, the American League championship series we're Astros fans and proud of it and she posted a picture of the two of us standing identical copy paste he walks in the room and does something mischievous and then grins and leave and leaves the room and she looks at me and says copy paste He does that because he's my son. He does that uh, because in all the time that we've spent together, he picks up things and he lives like his father. And the reality for us as believers, as children of God, the more time we will spend with the Lord, the more we will start to look like the Lord, the more we will start to be in the image of our precious Savior. I would love for the day to come, and thankfully for all of us who have put our faith in, in Jesus, it will come when we will be glorified. 
But I would love for the day to come where people could look at me and look at my loving Heavenly Father and say, copy, paste. Living out of the identity that I've been given and pursuing a life that looks just like Jesus. And so church, let's follow our Savior's example and how we treat one another. And let's pray for the Holy Spirit to produce these qualities in us. Compassion and kindness and patience and humility and everything else. Let's pray, God, God, I need you to do this. I need you to work in me for your glory. And as we do, God will continue to build the type of community that he wants here among this body of believers. Lastly, God's plan for how we pursue, how we live out uh, His plan for community here at Dogwood Church and the church global is this. God's plan is for us to remain Christ-centered. God's plan is for us to remain Christ-centered. We could use the term gospel-centered. That's a uh, a common phrase. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's often used as just kind of a catchy little tagline that goes on in the churches uh, now. But we really should be Christ-centered or gospel-centered in all we do. And Colossians 3 kind of points us to some of that in verse 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, Christ-centered in everything. The first thing that's mentioned there is, as a body of believers, let the peace of Christ rule in each of our hearts. Peace towards each other, grounded in the peace that has been established between Christ and I mean, between us and God because of Jesus Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule. So instead of division, instead of divisive talk and actions, instead of dissension and anger and frustration with one another, we live in peace. The peace that comes because of Jesus Christ. He has made peace with God for us, and He has made peace available to us between one another. And so we let the peace of Christ rule, and not any of the other things that we may let rule in our hearts. Anger, frustration, malice. We replace those with the peace that Christ has accomplished. His Word, verse 16 let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you 
That's not just you as a person, as a church. The Word of Christ should dwell among us. Richly among us. The Greek word there is like in plentiful, abundant supply. As a body of believers, as a church, as a people that have gathered to worship our holy God, Christ's Word, the words of Jesus, our Savior, should dwell in plentiful abundance among us. It should all have a heavy dose of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need that desperately. Not self-help. Not entertainment. But the word of Christ. The word of Jesus, our Savior, is what we desperately need in an abundant supply. And then he goes on to give some instruction that applies to our worship time. So worship is, uh, yes, it is to be to God the Father. It is praising and worshiping Him. But it is also supposed to be teaching each other. The songs that we sing should have the Word of Christ. The worship songs that we sing The songs that we choose to sing here should be a way to teach each other the truth about Jesus Christ. And we have to be cautious with that. There's lots of songs that are put out that sound good, have some truth sprinkled in, but are missing some components about the Word of Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, as he's giving this instruction on teaching each other the words of Christ, he's saying, and in your worship, sing songs that make much of Jesus, that teach much about Jesus. And then lastly, verse 17, so his peace, Jesus' peace, his word, and now in verse 17, All of our lives are to be lived for His glory. All of our lives are to be in His name, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to read 17 again. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever we do, every single thing we do, all of life should be lived lived out in the name of Jesus, Christ-centered in everything that we do. Everything done in Jesus' name, everything done for His glory. All centered on the Savior who has given us this life. And drift is easy for every single one of us. And so how do we guard against that to ensure that we stay Christ-centered Hebrews reminds us, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Verse 2, 
keeping our eyes on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 2, keeping our eyes on Jesus. The author of Hebrews picks up like, you're in a race in this life, in your faith. And so if, you're, if it's like a, a race, you keep your eye on the goal. You keep your eye on the finish line. You don't look at anything else. Put away all the distractions, the things that will trip you up. And stay focused on Jesus. That's how we remain Christ-centered. As we keep looking at our Savior. Jesus uses the word abide. We remain in Him. We abide in Him. In John's Gospel, John 15, verse 4 and 5. Remain in Me. Some of your translations may say abide in Me. Remain in Me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither... Can you, unless you remain in me? I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. How do we remain Christ-centered, gospel-centered? We abide in Jesus. We remain in Jesus. That's how we'll live out the life that God's calling us to. That's how we'll live out the type of community that the Lord has instructed us towards one another. Is by remaining in Jesus. It's not by trying harder. It's by abiding in Him. I've been reading the last couple of weeks a devotional book by Andrew Murray. Murray was a a uh, Scottish pastor who was a missionary to South Africa uh, for a long period of time, lived mostly in the 1800s, died in the early 1900s, and he wrote a book called The True Vine on this passage from John 15. Beautiful, beautiful book. And in that, Murray writes this, talking about how do we abide so the instruction here is to abide or remain in Jesus. So how do we do that? Murray writes, be wholly occupied with Jesus. Sink the roots of your faith, love, and obedience deep down into Him. Come away out of every other place and abide there. Give up everything for the inconceivable privilege of being a branch of the glorified Son of God in heaven. Let Christ be first. Let Christ be all. Don't be occupied with abiding. Be occupied with Christ. And He will hold you. He will keep you abiding in Him and He will abide in you. That's important for every one of us and that's important for us as a church to remain Christ-centered. 
And so church, let's not be occupied with abiding, but let's be occupied with Christ. And I love the way Murray said that. If we're occupied with Christ, he says, he will hold you. He will keep you abiding in him and he will abide in you. So church, let's double down on that. Let's keep Jesus at the center of it all. All of our lives, all of our ministries here at Dogwood Church. And as we do, God will shape us into the image of His Son for His glory. He will form us into the community of believers that He wants us to be. So for two months, we've been exploring the idea of community. uh, And we've been uh, letting these passages some of these one another passages from the New Testament instruct us on what kind of community, what kind of interactions the Lord is building here in our church among each other. God's Word has called us to love. God's Word has called us to encourage, to serve, to forgive, to bear burdens. And today, we have seen that God's plan for us as we're going to strive to live this out, God's plan for us is that one, first and foremost, we remember who we are. Right? Remember our identity, that we are God's chosen ones. Holy, dearly loved sons and daughters of God. We start there. And then we live godly lives towards one another. We live out the faith that we're called to in all these instructions here. Following our Savior because this is how He was towards us. And then we keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. And anytime we realize that He's no longer at the center, we correct it immediately. By God's grace, this is where we're headed here at Dogwood Church. This is what we are committing to here at Dogwood Church, is to become the people that God has already made us to be. And that our interactions with each other would be lived out of that. And so we're inviting you all to join us in that. And we can be certain that as we do, the Lord is going to build beautiful community here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and its truth. We thank you for the identity that you have given us. We know that we have not earned it. There's nothing we could do to earn it. But you chose us and we are your Beloved sons and daughters, help us believe that and help us live out of that identity. By your Spirit, God, we ask that you shape us. Keep building us together as a church so that we will live all of our lives for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.